So uh, John Mark on, on Tuesday mornings is in the middle of a rebrand the man series. And so we've talked about how a, a man who has been rebranded, who's been a new creation in Christ, uh, he serves, how he's faithful. And then this morning I wanted to talk about um, how a, a, a man who's a new creation lives in biblical community. So it's something that we talk about from time to time, and I think it's a little bit more challenging to live out consistently. So before we dive, in, you know, dive into the scriptures, just, let's just do a little shotgun. This is going to be more interactive, and then we're actually going to spend time at the end to, to discuss at the table, because I think that's the real value is when we uh, dissect it and apply it uh, within a smaller group. But uh, why do you think being engaged in biblical community uh, is so important? Okay, all parts of the same body, great. Accountability? Sure. What did I hear? Encouragement, yep, absolutely. Spread the gospel? Support? Training? Sure. Teamwork? Yeah. Absolutely, yep. Fun. It is. It's fun, right? To hang out with other dudes. Sure. Commanded. It's commanded. Yeah, it is that too. Community mission. Mission. Community, community mission. Community mission. Yep. Helps you stay on mission too. Protection. And protection. Yep. We all have blind spots, right? That, and then, yeah. There's uh, safety in numbers. Those are all correct, right? Uh, and we're going to dive into a bunch of scriptures that, that all support and affirm what you just said. But if you look statistically, men are usually not in community. That's the fact. We, we do a very poor job of that. So why do you think that is? What, why, what are the obstacles that keep men from being involved in community that provides all those benefits that we just talked about? Okay. Pride. We think we can do it on our own. Or, you know, culture tells us that, right? We're dudes. You don't need anybody. You shouldn't, you know, that's a sign of weakness if, if you... Uh, can't do it by yourself. Unless you're actually plugged into the church, you really don't know about the community that you're Okay, great point. Yep, if you're not plugged in, then you're not even aware of it. Sure. Culture. Culture? Yeah. Outside interference. Okay, outside interference. From what, like schedules? Like life is busy and we just... Okay, sure. Peer pressure. Making it a priority. Yeah, absolutely. Making it a priority. Athletics. <laughs> That's, yeah. Kids playing uh, all kinds of sports on Sundays. Family's responsibilities. There's a lot of things that are clamoring for our time. Absolutely. For sure. You know, uh, Patrick Morley, I was going to share this later, but I'll go ahead and share it now. He wrote uh, Man in the Mirror and uh, No Man Left Behind. Uh, anyways, he shared some stats that, that I wrote down. It says, for every 10 men in the church, it says nine will have children leave the church. Think about that for a minute. For every 10 men, nine will have children that leave the church. Kind of a scary statistic. And we can go, that's a whole another, right? We could spend all the whole topic talking about that. And that's, 
actually the genesis for our Faith at Home ministry, if, you, if you're aware of that, the stuff we, the resources we have on the wall, and we have a lot of stuff online, uh, has to deal with that directly. So six will have a major problem with porn, pornography. So for every 10 men in the church, nine will have a, children, a child that, that leaves the church, six will struggle with pornography. Four will get divorced. Only one will have a biblical worldview that aligns with scripture. And it says all 10 will struggle with balancing work and family. So those, that's, you know, that's real life, right? That looking at statistics and saying a lot of the problems outside the church are the same problems inside the church and how do we collectively address that? And so God's response is biblical community. That's how we were designed for community. If you go back all the way, and, and we've talked about this in other capacities, but you go all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, every time God created something, it was good. You know, it, it was, he created this, it was this, it was good, it was good, it was good. First time in Scripture God said something was not good was what? Man to be alone, right? We were created for the need of community. And so uh, here's what I'm going to do. Let's, let's, I mean, this, first of all, before we start, I also want to be clear. We need Christian biblical community, absolutely. It does not mean it's exclusive of other communities in your life. Nowhere in Scripture does it say we're supposed to go build these little communes and not talk to anybody who's not saved, right? In fact, the opposite is true. We're called to go and, and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. However, there's a lot of reasons why being connected with other Christians is so important. And so I want to start with that. I've got really four categories that I want to uh, hone in on it. We could have done a lot more, but I, I want to keep it somewhat short so that we can uh, leave time for discussion at the end. The first example just comes from the first century church. I mean, if you want to look and say, what was God's design for the church? Let's go back to Acts chapter two. And so we, we've got a really good account of the last uh, 42 through 47, the last uh, five or six verses here. And I'm just going to read the scripture. And then I'm going to ask you what characteristics stand out. So, so just think about this. Uh, let it resonate as we go. Here's what it says. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed uh, by the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the pro proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. <clears throat> There's a ton of stuff. You're right. <clears throat> what stood out? Sold all their possessions. <clears throat> okay. Sold all their possessions. They had met everybody's needs, right? So it was selfless, right? Focused on... Other people. What else? Daily? Daily. Steadfast. <clears throat> Steadfast? Yeah, sounds like they were pretty dedicated. They the yep, preach the gospel. Filled with awe. Filled with awe. Yep, so growth and just a reverence to the Lord. So being around each other, absolutely. They had all things in common. Had all things in common. They ate meals together. Ate meals together, yep. So, and you're all right there on the on the same page, right? They, they did this, they did life together, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're going towards. And what was the result of this biblical community? What's that? More people added, right? And daily people were saved, right? So it, it's interesting that as the result of their community and their dedication to one another, reached other people outside the community. We were different, 
Like, man, there's, there's something special about that group. What's going on with them, right? So um, now let's make a little bit harder transition. How does that compare to uh, our church today? And we'll, before we go to Cotton, we'll just say church in general. So the greater C church. The so church you see in the, especially the Western world, the United States. Okay, in some regards. That, that can definitely happen. Huge portion of people here on a Sunday won't do anything else during the week. Okay, sure. So you said a, a large portion of people, a bigger portion that, uh, that attends church on a Sunday, that's the only thing they do spiritual, you know, all week. Which is true, I mean, statistically. What else? Anything else? People don't connect. I don't know if it was you or who had all the life group members staying that one Sunday. Yeah. Uh, one of our men at accountability last night was saying they were stunned. And, you know, there were about half the people were still sitting down, meaning they were not involved in any life group at all. So church has become like a performance. It's like going to a concert. Uh, and most of the men want to miss the first half, which is the same. <laughs> so the other thing the guy said that works in the parking lot, he said, I'm amazed at how many people come in right before the sermon. And I said, I bet most of those families coming in have a man with them that do that. And he said, yes, yeah, true. But most men don't like them. I'm saying Nope. And so they don't connect. They observe. Sure. Bob? And sometimes you run late, right? I mean, that, that happens. But you're right. It's, it doesn't matter what time we start. 15 minutes, yeah. And it comes back to uh, talking about priorities, right? The, the same people that would never be late to school, their job, the kids' activities or stuff. But it's not, if it's not a priority, you're right. All right, one, one more. We've got to keep moving. So that, that was the first one, looking at the first century church. Uh, the second one, someone already mentioned from 1 Corinthians 12, uh, where it describes uh, Christians as, as members of Christ's body, right? So the scripture, uh, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If you go back to that, to that chunk of scripture, it's talking about spiritual gifts and about how God created us all uniquely and different. And when we're assembled, we complement one another to form the body of Christ. And so when we're not there, obviously there's a part missing. And then what, what's really cool about that, that chapter of scripture, for, or, uh, that chapter of scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, is we flip over a chapter and we go to 1 Corinthians 13, which is a chapter about what? Love, right? Love is patient, love is kind, all those kind of things. We read it at weddings, it's so beautiful and flowery. But the interesting thing is, who was Paul writing that to? He was writing it to the church. He says, you wanna know what it means to be members of the church? You need to learn how to love one another. 
And so it, it's a heightened uh, uh, requirement, if you will, on, on when you're talking about what does it look like to be uh, members of the church. If you go back to, uh, to John 13, so this is Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, right, during the Last Supper, and then right before he's going to go to the cross. And, what, and the new command he gives to you, it's actually what we call Monday Thursday. If, if you ever come to our Monday Thursday right before Easter, it's that it, Monday means command. It's a new command uh, that Christ gave his followers. And he says, and this is verses 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, so that, that's a pretty high standard. By your love for one another is how people are going to know that you're my disciples. So let me ask you this. If that's the criteria, do you know of a single church, and this, this, this is us included, right, in our, in our country that is known for their love for one another? I mean, we have churches that are known for great preaching, uh, very friendly churches, great worship, great programs, great ministries. But, do, I mean, just, uh, this is a question that I was just thinking about. Do you know of a church, just by reputation, their, their reputation is, man, they love one another better than anybody I've ever met? I don't know. I, I had a hard time coming up with anybody, right? And, and we, and that's not, we're known as a very friendly church. So we do a lot of, we're very active in the community, but that's a very high standard. By this, all men that you will know, or will know that you are my disciples. Disciples, sorry. So why do you think that is? There's no right or wrong answer. I'm just asking. That's... You don't have any relationships in that church. Somebody said people are looking for a friendly church, and another guy said, no, they're not. They're looking for friends. They're not looking for somebody to just shake their hand for two seconds and move on to the next thing. A guy challenged me, said, in the greeting time, meet one person and interact with them that whole time. Maybe you'll learn something about them and start connecting as opposed to playing like you're running for a political office, which is what I used to do. Yeah. Because that's what I saw everybody else do. Yep. And he said, stop doing that thing. Yeah. You need to connect with one person. You know, there's, uh, there's 59 one another's right in the New Testament. And so it, it's, you know, pray for one another, love one another, encourage one another. So there's all these one another's uh, commands that were given just in the New Testament alone. But it only could occur within the context of relationships, right? And as we talk about that, that model from Acts chapter 2, that, that the relationships aren't just superficial, kind of like you said. It's not just knowing about somebody. It's, it's loving them. It's serving them. It's doing life. It's a, it's a high bar, right? And so in our day and age, when we're pulled in 50 million different directions and we're bombarded by all these distractions, it's really tough to reach that kind of relationships. I mean, it just is, right? Especially outside your family. Um, and, and, you know, I, just hear my heart when I say this. I, it's not that churches are devoid of love. I'm not saying that churches are not, don't, but I'm saying that when we look at the, the bar that's set in scripture, I would say most churches, at least the ones that I'm aware of, have opportunity to go. If we're, if we're judging ourselves by scripture, we can grow in this area. So the parts of the body, the first uh, century church, the, the number three was uh, your friends impact your life. Okay, you've probably heard it said in, in various other circles that, you know, you take the average of your five closest friends and that's kind of the direction your life is going, 
because you will be influenced on whatever you are consistently exposed to, right? And the same is true in an absence. If you don't have, if there's a void there, you're going to be influenced on the TV shows that you watch, on the radios that you listen to, the movies that you watch, whatever. Whatever you are exposed to, it makes sense, will help influence and shape our lives. I just picked out three quick scriptures just to highlight this, but the, but, uh, the Bible's filled with it. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupt, corrupts good character. And then Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to her brother. Uh, how have you seen this play out in your own life? Either positive or negative. Folks around you influence you. And you may not even notice it till it's you get down the road a little bit. Yeah. Sure. It's a, you know, friends make a huge difference, right? And, and different leveling of friendships. But there's no doubt that the, the impact that those guys, the people you surround yourself with have on your life, on your thought process. You know, it says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You ever, you ever been in a conversation and something comes out like, where did that come from? I have, right? But I can always look back and say, man, you know, maybe I was watching a movie that I shouldn't have been watching, or maybe I was involved in a conversation that I shouldn't have been. And it was there. That seed was there because it sure came out, right? We're thinking through our, our mouth again. Okay, last one. Um, and somebody said this earlier on, on why community is because we're directed to. I mean, Scripture says very plainly, and I'm going to go to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 on this. It says, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're, we're, in, we're instructed. I mean, if, if you don't get everything else, we're supposed to meet together, right? And it, for all those reasons, to encourage, to provoke love and good works. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of benefits, and that's where we kind of started this, this thing to talk about. So, um, you know, we have... There's a lot of, we do a lot of good things here at Cottonwood, right? We have, we do have some biblical community. We have life groups and home groups and we have gatherings like this. And so we try to do a lot of different things to be able to meet people where they're at, what, what works for them schedule wise. Um, Cause we, you know, we do uh, mission work in the local area. We do fun with the sun. We do fall festival. We do go local. So there's, we do all these things in the community to try and get people plugged in. And so we have, um, you know, we have a good reputation in the community, if, if you say that, right? And that's one of the reasons when, when we lost our building last, last spring and we had to cancel our, our uh, VBS, it was actually the community, the folks at, at uh, Allen ISD that said, hey, we heard you had to cancel VBS. Is there anything we can do to help out with that, right? And that's, so you appreciate that. But we can't be content with being a good church as we compared to other churches around us, right? Because same thing we do as, as individuals, we compare our strengths against other people's weaknesses, right? That we, we're selective in how we compare. Our, the baseline is really scripture. How do we compare to what we see outlined in scripture? And that's what we're striving to. And ultimately, that's what we have to give an account for. And so uh, it, it all comes back 
to what, what uh, Jesus said up in the upper room. He says, just as I have loved you, we're supposed to love one another. So if we tried to live that out, you know, think about how did Jesus love us? What sacrifices did he make? You know, how selfless was he? How did he live his life in community? You know, come follow me. You know, that, that's come and see. If we really live that out that way, um, what would our church look like? We wouldn't have any parking room. You're right. Sometimes we don't now. We think we had a parking problem now. We'd have a really bad parking problem. Yeah, that is true. What else? People wouldn't wait till last minute to come to church. They'd want to be easier to come and interact. Absolutely. Yep. You're exactly right. We all have that desire, right? We're, we're built for that. Even though we resist it, when you're in that kind of relationship, man, it changes everything. That's a great point. Yeah, a lot more than two services. You're right. But, and, and that's where, you're, you're exactly right. We would have more services. But remember, the church is not the building, right? The church is the people. And that's, that's where lives are transformed. And that's the relationships. And I think our, our patterns, our daily patterns would change, right? Our priorities would change, everything we're talking about. And, you know, the result of, of, our, of our biblical community, and it, we, you know, we really focus on life and home groups because it's a great vehicle to get it started. But um, it's not just to have a great group of friends, right? It's for spiritual growth and it's for multiplication. And that's, that's the result we saw in Acts chapter 2. And daily the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. And, and so when we're talking about spiritual growth, it's not only learning, which, which learning is important, right? We want, to, we want to spend time in Scripture so that we can unpack it and we can better handle it. We learn more about the Lord. We fall, it, 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 uh, someone says it, it, uh, it fosters or fuels our relationship, our passion for Him. Um, but part of being a biblical community enables us to actually live out the faith that we profess to believe, right? I think if we surveyed not only this room, but, but in North America, most all of us are probably guilty of possessing more spiritual knowledge than we're willing to be obedient to. Would you agree to that? When I mess up every day, I kind of know I messed up. I know what I should have done, what I should, but you know, I, we're still not obedient to the knowledge that we have. And so that's what's the beauty of biblical community is it helps encourages us when you mess up. It helps hold us accountable when we don't want to own it, right? And, and, it, and it helps us to, to strive towards the Lord collectively together. And that includes reaching out. We're, we're not saved just for ourselves, right? If so, God would rapture us and take us to heaven the moment we said, Lord, I want to trust in you. He's got a mission for our life and a plan for our life, and that's to go and make disciples, right? It's called the great commission, the great commandment, not the great suggestions for a reason. But that's not how we, we live it out. We, we look at, you know, God gives us evidences in Scripture. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit, right? If you think about the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are supposed to be the nine signs that the Holy Spirit is, is moving in us. And it's not that we're supposed to have one. We're supposed to possess all nine in increasing measure. And so if we, if we measure ourselves on, on Scripture, how are we doing? Right? That's the beauty of biblical community is that we can, we can help each other out through that. So um, that's, that's as, as we go to this next, and I'm going to land it here because um, I want to leave time to discuss the tables. But as we look at biblical community, how is it helping us live 
the way that Scripture tells us we're supposed to be living, right? And how do, how do we link arms and support and pursue the Lord together in community the way that He's designed? And so that's, that's what we're going to do on each of your tables. There's just, uh, I just put one copy on there. Someone can be asked questions. It's just some basic questions uh, to help you have a dialogue around biblical community. And so I encourage you just to, we're going to spend the next 10 or 15 minutes, whatever, you know, as much time as you got. And we'll just talk through this, have everybody a chance to share and just be honest, right? I think the first question is, uh, you know, are you in, are you in biblical community? If you're not, that's okay, right? The reality is you look statistically, most people are not, most guys aren't. But then we're gonna try and figure out how do we help facilitate that to make it happen. So let's, uh, let's spend the last few minutes that we have together in, in, uh, in discussion at our tables and then we can uh, pray it out and, and head your ways. Thanks guys, appreciate you.